Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature Peruvian-born American artist, Grimanessa Amoros. She is an interdisciplinary artist with interest in the fields of social history, scientific research, and critical theory, creating site-specific monumental sculptures. She harnesses the meaning of light to create sculptures that engage visitors in contemplation of their cultural heritage, community, and relationship to technology. Drawing upon critical cultural legacies and landscapes, she is inspired by the communities she creates within. Installing and programming each piece on site, direct interaction with the surrounding architecture is key to creating her work. Grimanessa has projects and exhibitions throughout the United States, in Peru, Spain, Chile, Italy, France, Switzerland, Cuba, and many other countries. She has been a guest lecturer nationally and internationally, and she was a guest speaker at TED Global 2014 and as part of the Art and Embassies Program of the United States. Enjoy this episode featuring fascinating artist Grimanessa Amoros. Grimanessa, welcome to my podcast. I'm delighted to feature you. Thank you, Phyllis. I truly appreciate this, and I can't wait to start sharing. Thank you. Thank you. Let's dive in with you sharing with us when you discovered your artistic passion. Well, that was many, many years ago. I think I might have been at least maybe 11 years old. And I started because my love and curiosity about maps, I truly enjoyed uh, remaking them constantly drawing, you know, the distances that I had from, you know, here, one point to there and making and marking the continental shapes as well. And so because of my fascination with them, my mother put me in drawing classes. And it was through that my career, I would think as an artist began, I started learning oil, paint, how to use brushes, how to mix colors. And that's what it was. That's when I started it. Do you recall if there was an artist early on that really influenced you or even a a work of art you were really drawn to as a youngster? I think as a youngster, I started uh, probably because it was perhaps a little much easier to understand nature because it was quite visual. And I am originally from Peru. And at that time, we truly didn't have museums that we could have gone. So most of the artwork 
I learned our history was through books, but that came a little bit later. So I think I was getting inspired by a lot of mountains and oceans because that's what I had available to me. That's lovely. And how would you define your practice? Let's let's talk about your work. Let's go into detail. Well, I think that in my case, it has been an evolution through life. I always have been a traveling. So I would say traveling, my curiosity for materials, observing new technologies, architecture. I think I could summarize it to all of these things that I have just mentioned. And when did you begin creating site-specific installations and working with light? I think I started when I truly started feeling a requirement to communicate with humanity in general. And I thought that if I will do site-specific, then it might also be public. And I thought that the walls of a gallery, they were a little bit constrained to me. And I think that came parallelly with my love for architecture. And it was always quite important for me from the start that the artwork, the viewer and the architecture becomes one. So that's how I started it. And what do you enjoy most about the work you do? Oh, basically the whole part, everything. From the beginning, I enjoyed all the way to the end. You know, uh, if I didn't enjoy what I did, I think I could not be able to feel creative. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. I see one of your goals is to bridge cultures with light. Can you build upon that, share those thoughts with us? Sure, because light is a medium, right? It's ephemeral, but it's also a medium that communicates and is understood by everyone. So I always had a dream that it's interesting to know about different cultures around the world, yet that gives us the opportunity to be open, but we don't do it enough. So I think that if we have a little more flexibility to adapt, and I think that that could be done through light because it involves us all, embraces us all, right? You know, light at the same time is, you know, is energy. It's a, it's very, it's a perception, which all us as humans, we have. So if we will be a little more aware, I think that we will be able to become more focused in things that we have around or even on a daily basis, even when we start working, you know, the streets. So I think that light will embrace people from all different cultures. That doesn't matter if they are, you know, for example, from China, Middle East, or here from New York, right? If you are in a room uh, sharing the same light, then you have a common denominator. And that is a melting pot that immediately brings understanding, in my opinion. And when do you know when a sculpture is finished? <laughs> that's uh, that's very intuitive. I think that basically when Grimanesa has put 100% into the work and there's nothing more that I could do, then you have to let the, the baby go. <laughs> and what's your process of choosing colors? Um, I think that the process is quite site specific to as well. It becomes much later. At the beginning, I, depending on the size of the sculpture, I could be anywhere from one week to three weeks or perhaps a month. And while I'm there, I'm able to experience, you know, sunrise, sunsets, how it does changes according to perhaps the latitude 
where the country is located geographically. So that changes constantly depending where I'm installing. And I tend to respond because, for example, the sunsets in Riyadh, uh, they were quite very different to other sunsets that I have seen, you know, in the past. Because Riyadh, for example, is a city that is in the middle of the desert. So while you are appreciating the sunset, the whole sun, but it still is kind of like with sun, correct? On the air, because there's, you know, the wind just brings the sunstorms and sometimes it could be, you know, much more harsh than others. But there's always wind that brings the sun constantly. So that makes you have like a filter about how you actually see that sunset. So that all helps me to be able to choose the colors that I'm going to be utilizing in that installation, in that piece of artwork. That's fascinating. And so when you're in your studio and you're working and you're creating, right? Mm-hmm. Do you listen to music? Um, no, uh, I used to in the past. When I was younger, I used to use a lot of music and I was really up to date. But now I prefer silence. It truly gives me the space to focus and think uh, clearly. And if you weren't an artist, what other career path do you think you would have chosen? Uh, I think that I, I was very lucky because I have always known what I wanted to do in life. So I truly could not imagine being anything else. It is a part of my essence. So even when I was younger and I received a lot of rejection letters, I would try to pass them like a pages of a book because I said, okay, this is it. Remanisa, this is all what you could do. So well, keep on. You have to be persevering. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. How do you keep learning? I'm just a very flexible, open-minded individual. And I am very sensitive to my everyday. And I always say that I'm always an empty vessel that I, I always love. I have this thirst for learning and curiosity. So it's just innate. I keep learning very natural. You know, I don't even realize how that happens, but I feel that there's so much in the world that is an unknown for us. So I always like to refer to as my learning as romance with the unknown. Interesting. I want to ask you about the titles of your work. How do you title your sculptures or how you describe your sculptures? Well, it comes from the beginning. Basically, <laughs> interesting enough, the title comes first. Since I was younger, I never felt that I liked the word untitled. And it actually bugs me. And when I would go to museums or exhibitions and I would say untitled, 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 or number one, number two, number three. So I thought that it was a very quick uh, way of not addressing what you as an artist were doing. And, but, you know, it's respectful because imagine how boring would be the world if we all would think the same way. So in my case, actually, the title is very thoughtful. I truly sit down and I start thinking first when they send me all the uh, plans and the image, sometimes I have to actually do side visits myself. So I come back to the studio and I start thinking about what is it will be the title for this exhibition. And then once I choose the title, then I start writing, right? Basically what we call an artist statement, which is, yes, it could be just a couple of liners, you know, from the beginning, perhaps even two liners. And then I start and it's basically, uh, there's a lot of research that I will do about 
perhaps the community that lives around that space, the architecture, the building itself, about when perhaps was built, the architect that built it. And then all of that information starts giving you the knowledge and the nutrients for me to be able to understand what is that I would like to communicate with the people, individuals that would be attending the exhibition or seeing the piece publicly. So titles have been always very important. I tend to be inspired by Latin titles. And I guess that's because I was born in Peru and I, my mother tongue is uh, Spanish and obviously the Spanish came, you know, from Latin. So it had always attracted me. So knowing who your audience is plays a, a major part in your creativity. Yes, yes, because I have a lot of uh, sensibility for humanity. I always think that it's my contribution. I wanted to be, you know, like Madre Teresa, you know, we we're talking about so many years ago. And then a friend of mine that was in my studio said, Manessa, you have to come up with your own parts about how you want to relate and perhaps uh, make humanity think. In uh, you are not Mother Teresa, you like uh, to drink your wine, you <laughs> like your shoes, you like so many other things, so you will never be able to live like Mother Teresa. <laughs> so you have to find your own voice and who you are as an individual. And, you know, I still have all these pictures of Mother Teresa, you know, here in my studio, because I thought that she was amazing. But in reality, of course, that stopped me and made me think about really what was my role as an artist and in this society that we live, which was great. Do you think the audience understands your work? Well, um, because I'm, I'm very thoughtful. I don't truly put emphasis in the audience to understand the work. Mm -hmm. But what it is important for me is to make them think. Some might like it, some might they don't, but there always will be something there for them to take away from it. So the work that I make, I know that they will make them stop at least for a couple of seconds. And those seconds are already very precious to me. So by that, I think that perhaps they could become more inspired and that inspiration that they're taking away from the work will make them more creative in their own work. And that could be also in finance, you know, uh, people in, in business needs to be creative as well in all different areas. So that's really what I want. And that's really my role that I think I have as an artist. What does your studio feel like? What does it look like? Well, I love to have a balanced life. And so I think that the studio is quite peaceful, even though I have other people working, you know, with me on a daily basis. I think we all work uh, joyfully. That perhaps could be because I'm extremely uh, organized and I somehow love a structure because when you have a structure, a base, then you could be able to construct. Uh, I mean, it works in my case, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's very peaceful. Yeah. And always smells very delicious. Ah, yes. What would you say have been the most substantial challenges that you faced as an artist? Um, I think that what I mentioned before about romance with the unknown. A lot of the work that I do is in different countries and different cultures, and they all have different ways of working. My work is also very collaborative and that <laughs> you have to learn how to work with other, not only for people, but with, with the culture that they are living, right? When you work in China, is one way. When you work in India, they have other ways of doing all these you know, schedules. 
So I think that that's very exciting and challenging. And I try myself to prepare to the best of my capacity for each installation before I do it. But there's always things that, you know, happen that you don't know. For example, I remember in La Habana, it's important to go with a plan A and B. But then thankfully in Habana, I have like an A, B, C and D. So you have to be prepared. And I want to share this story that <laughs> what happened in La Habana was that uh, the day of the opening was a public work in the Malecon in a landmark building, very important building. And it was all the facade. So it was seven o'clock and I was talking, you know, to the public. It's supposed the light goes supposedly on, but nothing was happening. And obviously I was talking quite longer than I should. And then my project manager comes in the year and says, you know, and nothing is working. Ouch. Like simply as that. And, uh, and then I said, okay. And I keep on, you know, of course, trying to talk because it's a lot of people there in the streets. Right. And so he said, and I told him immediately with what my choices. And he said, well, and the reason why it didn't work is because they had spray cement and the, the wires got cemented. <laughs> Simple as that. So I said, well, uh, the choice is that we have to disconnect them from all our electrical equipment that is, you know, well protected and connect them to theirs. And I said, okay, that will work. Yes. And I said, well, you know, everything might explode and it would be all blown up basically. Right. Mm. So in other words, the equipment will be fried and said, okay. So I remember clearly I said, nothing is working now. Right. So we don't have nothing to lose. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we take the chance and just do it? Like the damn thing, excuse me, my language, <laughs> but it is that's exactly you imagine myself him talking in my ear, right? It's like you were in a lecture hall and then the public is in front waiting. So I keep on talking a little bit further and then suddenly people, you know, I didn't look because I was obviously my back towards it and said, and then I hear the people says, wow. And so imagine I feel the relief that I felt. So everything worked out. And that's what I always use romance with the unknown. But, you know, like that, of course, I have a couple, you know, of episodes that they have happened, you know, throughout my installations, uh, you know, through the years, right? Yes, yes. Well, that's so interesting. Wow. So in regard to technology, it's clear that you embrace technology. Mm -hmm. Was there ever a point where you were intimidated by it? Uh, no, absolutely not. I love it. And basically, the technology depends on the project. I don't necessarily use the same technologies for each project. So it, it, it's, it's a conglomeration of everything. I go back to what I said before that I first like to learn about the zone and historical background, you know, especially when it's going to be a site specific, right? That really comes, you know, all united in one. So because the technology is a now, but I'm also fascinated how the, the past affects our present and the future. And I mentioned this because it also is going to depend on that installation is going to be permanent or it's going to be just temporary. And if it's temporary, it depends, is it going to be there a month or it's going to be six months or three years? 
right? So there's a lot, a list of, you know, ideas and a lot of initial even sketches as to which are the technologies that I'm going to be using. And that is all help also with renderings and video renderings. And I think that that's also part of a research that I do from the beginning that I mentioned before. And I love that part because like we mentioned I keep learning and you have to adapt to all the different technologies that they are on the market, but which one of these is going to work specifically for the Termin project. So share with us, what are you excited about now? Hmm, what I'm excited, I, uh, I'm excited because I'm working with uh, an opera and to do a site specific project with an opera house. The challenges that it brings to you, there is not only the director of the opera that you have to be collaborating, but it also is the actors and then the singers. And then there is the scenography that they are thinking that for, you know, the story, the costumes, the architecture part of the theater, how they move. So that to me, it's something new I have never done. And I'm, you know, truly looking forward. Yeah. Whoa. That's deep. Oof, a lot of moving parts there, right? Yes. And that's the challenging part of it. The collaboration part is also very exciting. I love to work with others. Yeah. This has been a very interesting and formative conversation. I appreciate you sharing what you've shared. And this is our final question. And that is, what do you feel is the purpose of art? And as an artist, what is your role? I think it's important to make them think and activate people inspire them, you know, to be more creative, you know, at the end, that's very essential and that becomes universal. That doesn't, you're going to be growing all on you. So that is very important to me to make you think. So I don't want to impose my own ideas, but what questions they're going to bring into your life when you see a work of mine. Well, thank you so much for the work you do. It's definitely uplifting. <laughs> thank you for your time. Thank you. You know, there's so much things that these several women talks, they really help others, you know, to make you think. And I like how, you know, precise and, you know, to the point they are. So this way helps other people in their own practices as well. Right. Yes. Like a question that you talk about, what do your workspace look and I feel like? I got to say that most of your questions, they never asked me before, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is, it makes me think, right? I'm actually here now and I think the, the studio is very precise and very clean. I like my workspace organized. It really helps me to stay focused and clear headed. And I never thought about that before. I'm, I'm looking at it as I'm, you know, just sharing this with you. So it's very interesting. Thank you so much. Oh, yes. I'm very curious. That's why I ask those questions because, yes, your studio looks a certain way, right? That's easy. That's the easy part. But how does it feel, right? Exactly. And it's important because, Phyllis, if I am not precisely organized as I have described my story before, then believe it or not, I can think, I cannot move forward. It's something, you know, very, you know, rare, I guess, you know, but it all makes me feel very comfortable. And that, that ties it up what we discussed about when you're creating. Do you think about your audiences? Like when I'm here, I'm thinking about how I have to feel a certain way to do things. And, you know, I think that the feeling of making an impact makes people think beyond the expected, I think. You know, communication with others, especially, I think, with visual, pushes people to react. You know, sometimes, I guess, positively, sometimes not. But it truly drives me to continue to develop and grow in my work. Well, thank you for the work you do. 
Thank you. I'm always, I always said, I'm so grateful that I have the opportunity and then I have work. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.